Welcome to this episode of the Chairsofter Show podcast, the single greatest podcast on the planet Earth. If you disagree, well then you're just a fucking idiot. Starring Andy and the most relevant person in Airsoft, E-Fucking-House. Who's Jet? I don't know. Anyway, that is gonna be our introduction. Cue the music! And you're listening to the Chairsofter Show, your weekly airsoft podcast by the players for the players. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, contact me, Andy, at thechairsoftershow.co.uk, on Facebook, at the Chairsofter Show, on Instagram, at the Chairsofter Show as well. Uh, this week, as you heard in the introduction, we've got E-House from Gun Gamers with us. Now, good evening, Eric. Hello, how you doing? Glad to <laughs> be here. I'm not bad, yourself? Oh, I'm, I'm doing fantastic. I have some Guinness and I'm ready to talk about BB Wars. I'm going to have to speak to you as well because um, I'm going to have to get you to record my intro and we'll just <laughs> have that uh, because that's better than anything I can do. We're going to get you to do it every week in the future. Uh, I'll have to talk to you about that. I'll, I'll do it for you, man. I, uh, I am more than willing. I, I do a lot of voiceover for my day mm. job, so you know I'm, I'm yeah. ready. Well, this was the thing, for everyone who's sort of just joined us, we've been talking for about 20 minutes now, and I just came on, I was like, hey, I saw you logged on because I went to get a drink, I was like, hey Eric, and you were just, I was like, oh my god, that voice is fucking amazing for voiceovers when when I logged in. Yeah, um, no, I've, I've got a voice for radio and a face to match, so it's really brilliant. <laughs> so you spend most of your time on YouTube. <laughs> exactly, yeah, you know. <laughs> Now, I, um, I like to think everyone just puts my videos on in the background so they don't have to look at this. <laughs> it's kind of difficult when you're trying to explain a product, though, isn't it? Uh, I, I guess, but... Uh, you, you know, Lots if, of close-ups. Yeah, if they want to deal with it, that's their prerogative. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, obviously, we've, we've said that you're from Gun Gamers. Uh, that's going to be a, a later episode because... Uh, Dom, my co-host, who unfortunately couldn't be with us this week, is in discussions with Amy as well. So we want to do something special for a Gun Gamers episode. So yeah, no, we, I don't think we can do a proper Gun Gamers episode with uh, with just me. I think we got to get the one of the one of the OGs on as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, we'll we'll sort that out. But uh, Kev got me in touch with you, um, recommended you for the podcast because you've been doing quite a lot of different events over the last year and I just wanted to sort of delve into some of these and see what was going on because from the sounds of it you've done a lot of sort of the Milsim style games you've done some post-apocalyptic stuff which I fucking love as well and unfortunately you don't get enough of in the UK really um yeah so- there's I've been I've been attending a lot of events, uh, argu- arguably too many over the last year and year and a half. Uh, yeah. So I- I've done like everything from you know smaller scale skirmish type games up to you know Milsim West, which is like our one of our real big dogs, and then uh, Omega is the post apocalyptic one. So I've attended a whole different variety of events over this year, and it- it's interesting how attending so many different events like really really forces you to look at like okay what do you like about the different formats what what does each thing do well you know what is variety your thing it's it's just crazy because for anyone not familiar with the United States airsoft scene uh, in the United States up until I would say three or four years ago you had a smaller handful of really prominent event promoters and most of them did kind of the same thing uh, most of them were doing, Green vs. Tan, Milsim games, and maybe a little bit of a skin with a theme, but nothing too crazy. Uh, usually they had breaks. I think Black Sheep was one of the only ones that really did 24 hours straight. Uh, yeah. Then Black Sheep imploded because of all this other crap that w- would be an episode unto itself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, oh that that would be that would be like a series. You could do you could do a documentary on that. But really, other than Black Sheep, uh, no one was doing anything really that different most of it was pretty samey 
And in the last few years, we've had this explosion of people doing things kind of different ways and experimenting with different stuff. And uh, it's, it's been really fucking awesome, in my opinion, because now we're seeing it evolve into these new different diverging directions that really we never had before and that now that we have them are just continuing to get better. Yeah, this this is the same thing over here. You know, I'm seeing more and more gun coming away from the stereotypical sort of green camo versus tan camo. You know, you've got Apocalypse with Frontier Airsoft, which we'll talk about in a bit with you as well, because it'll be interesting to hear some of the differences between them. Um, but you sort of get in like the Milsim series with, if you're playing Op Four, for example, if it was based around the Middle East, you might have the op for dressing up in the traditional dress as such um and then sort of the second world war first world war even games are starting to come through as well so you're getting people with their realistic loadouts which we've had a couple of discussions on recently as well with sort of the style of kit and obviously not wearing certain symbology that can have negative connotations with it or does have negative connotations with it not could have because let's be honest you, you mean i shouldn't <laughs> wear the lightning bolts out in public <laughs> I, I i was under the impression that was totally normal and expected uh you, this is news to me you say that there was an individual i was talking to the other day who showed me some an idea for some call sign patches that he wanted and people just said to him no because he researched certain for, uh, fonts from that sort of era as well, and it was very, very samey as to a certain group of people in the German army. At that yeah, point. on on the wrong <laughs> side of history, we shall yeah. say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, let's sort of start with some of the events you've been going through, and we'll just let the discussion naturally develop from there. Sounds so. good. Uh, I mean. So over uh, over this past like uh, over the past you know year year and a half I've I've gone to I'm I'm gonna expand it over the last couple of years because I've attended events from a lot of different promoters uh, and even over my airsoft career if you want to call is airsoft a career I don't know who cares uh, <laughs> but I uh, I I've kind of tried my best to get a good sampling of as many different promoters as possible. Uh, obviously there are limitations, you know, I I have a life. No, I don't. But I have <laughs> I have finite money and travel time. And yeah. uh so the main event promoters that I've like really attended, uh the the bigger ones are like uh Mere Tactical, Emsato, Milsim West, Desert Fox events. Um oh my god, what a, why am I blanking? Omega and uh, then the different variety of Milsim West. I attended an American Milsim game a few years ago. Uh, sadly, that was the last one I attended just because of time and opportunity. But I, I've i had a pretty good sampling, I think. And then I've also been traveling around my region more. Uh, yeah. Just this summer, I attended an event in Ohio that was run by a friend of mine out there. Uh, th- yesterday, I was in Pittsburgh uh, attending an event run by some friends of mine down there. And it, yeah, because yeah, we were actually going to record this episode, so we're recording this on the 20th because this is going to go out a bit in the future, so we'll just give him a time scout. I actually asked Eric if he could um, come on yesterday, he was like, I'm not attending an event, but I'm not, I can't do this because I'm attending an event, sorry, but I'll be there on the 20th, and then that was it, and we're here. <laughs> yeah, that I. Uh, so I, I have a really bad habit of telling people that I'll do something, and then, like, regardless of anything, I will just do it, yeah. <laughs> which, which I guess isn't a bad habit, depending on how you look at it. But, like, I committed to uh, some friends of mine to run the uh, Op 4, we'll call them, faction at their event based on Operation Red Wings, uh, which is the Lone Survivor uh, story, if anyone's not familiar with that. Yeah. So I, I committed to doing that, like, three or four months ago, and then I'm like, well gotta do it so, <laughs> yeah, so but that's drove, good though it, it, at least people as an event organizer will know right eric's turned it up whereas the amount of times i've been to sites and they go well we had a fully booked site and then 20 people didn't turn up i've seen more and more sites starting to take deposits now because if you pay a deposit you're more inclined to go at the end of the day you know well you, you would sit there and think i've paid money now I'm going to this event because they've already got some of my money 
that that's the funny part is you would think that, but uh, I'm I'm really good friends with a lot of event promoters, and obviously I've I've gone to these other events and. The number of people who will pre-register and pay full price for a ticket and not show up is actually shocking. Is uh, yeah. So Omega Productions, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring them up, but people will pay full price for a ticket, which is like 120, 150 dollars for a weekend Jeez. game, and they'll pay full price and with no explanation, just all of a sudden, just bail. It, yeah. They they just won't show up, and no one will ever know why. But you know they they paid 120 dollars to not show up and we've we've had games where you know five to ten people will do that and it's like what are you doing <laughs> like, yeah i mean do you I'll, hate I'll, money? <laughs> yeah just just burning it you might as well just throw it out the window whatever you know give it to people in the street um, yeah it, it it just blows my mind uh yeah. whereas i'm just like well i said i would be there and short of you know physical injury which is always a risk with me i will be yeah. there I mean, I mean, yeah. It's like you say with myself. It's I've had a few games before where I've sort of booked on, and then say, I mean, there was one I can think of where I messaged the event organizer in the morning because I woke up and I had the flu, and I literally just could not do anything. I was like, look, there's no way on God's earth I can drive an hour and a half to your site to play a game for a day and then go home. And they're cool about it as long as they know. Yeah. It's, it's if you just don't show up, I think that. I mean, I'd get hacked off if people just didn't show up. Yeah, it, it's it's just weird. I, I think my worst one this year was uh, I was going to help my really good friend and fellow Gun Gamers contributor and teammate Kyle. Uh, I was going to help him run an event at his, uh, at his field up here. And I <laughs> went to a metal concert the night before. Yeah. And it was the last song of the night. I'd had a few drinks. No one was in the mosh pit. So I got into the mosh pit and try to try to get something started. And in my <laughs> jumping up and down to motivate people, I ended up landing wrong on my ankle and totally fucking up my ankle. <laughs> and, and I ended up having to get a fucking cast put on my ankle. And I, <laughs> I call Kyle the that night because I'm I'm I know my ankle's fucked. Like I, I've fucked up my ankle and my yeah. knee before. Like I know what it's fucked. And I call him and I'm like Kyle. You're gonna kill me. He's like, you hurt yourself at that concert, didn't you? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but what band was it? Uh, it was Enterprise Earth. Okay, I've not come across them. I'm gonna have to have a listen to them. Yeah, they're they're deathcore, and I know that that could be a very divisive subgenre. So uh, you know, if you love them or hate them, but I uh, I really like them. Dan Watson's a great vocalist, and their guitarist is fucking stupid good. Yeah. So welcome to the Chess of the Music podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. No, don't don't get me started on metal. Uh, I will I will not stop. But we'll so back to events. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, now the one the one that I am really interested in. I think you said it was Omega with the post apocalyptic theme. Yeah, though. So Omega Productions is an event promoter. They also go by Survive Omega on social media. Uh, yeah. They are a newer event promoter. They only started, really, in 2018, but that's not totally fair because one of the co-owners, Frank, uh, goes by Yuck. Yuck has run events like this before. He ran one in 2011 called Demon Seed, and I was at that event in 2011, and until Omega came about, that was still, like, my favorite airsoft event and my favorite yeah. way to play airsoft and i had to wait seven goddamn years for a follow-up <laughs> <laughs> but he uh he ended up launching this promoter uh with his co-partner alex um and then i immediately hopped on board and ever since their first event outside of buffalo i have been going to all of them and doing staff functions there uh, but what they are is they are a 40-hour continuous, full immersion, post-apocalyptic event. Yeah. Uh, so you show up and you you do your check-in. Like they, they make sure, hey, do you have enough to not die? Chrono your gun, sign your waivers, sign in. And then you will insert onto the field and be in some way divided up into your communities. And from that point onward, it's just go. There is like... For now, there's like a safe zone in the communities yeah. at night to give people a chance to, you know, take off their eye pro and be able to uh, be able to eat and get some water and whatnot. But that might not always be the case. Um, yeah. 
and outside of the communities is still an active play zone. So once you leave your community at any point, you're still in game. Like there, there's no real break outside of that. So there's still going to be stuff going on at night. And I think my favorite part about it is that the biggest hurdle is actually that it feels like a survival game because your ammo is stupid limited. Yeah. You are not allowed to bring any of your own ammunition onto the field and your total magazine capacity, like every magazine that you bring onto the field, everything that can hold a BB, the total capacity can't be over 300. Oh, wow. Yeah. So <laughs> you're going out into the field with maybe one mid-cap and two or three pistol mags, or maybe two mid-caps and a pistol mag or two, and the odds of you ever having enough ammo to actually fill all those are not good. And any ammo that you have on your person, whether it be in baggies that you've found or traded for, whether it be in your magazines, all of that is lootable upon your death. (laughs) Oh, that is amazing. Yeah, and then you're also limited in the amount of food that you can bring onto the field. You uh, yeah. for the way they're doing it right now is that you have to have all your food in a one gallon baggie. Right. So if you have your food in more than a one gallon baggie, that's you know, it's not cool. You got it. You got to have it in the one gallon bag, and that limits the amount of food that you can bring onto the field and makes you at least a little bit reliant on either packing smart because you can pack a weekend's worth of calories in there if you're intelligent. Yeah. Or it makes you reliant on trade. Because if you want some luxury items, hey, I guess that trader's got Skittles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so that, that's that's the interesting part, is that between those elements and then some other things that like go on and, and the mechanics are always like they're never static really. Like mechanics yeah. have been different at every game, just a little bit, depending on what the what the terrain offers. And the point is to make it feel like you're not just playing airsoft. You're actually navigating your way through a post-apocalyptic survival simulation, for lack of a better word, for those 40 hours. And there are things to do. There are some There are some NPCs to interact with. There are some, some kind of baked in like preset quest lines and things that could be very interesting, but most of it, the vast majority of it, really is player-driven, and our goal is never to have anything be fully scripted. Yeah, I I love events like that. Um, I mean, there's a post-apocalyptic theme event I go to over here, which is at Frontier Airsoft, which is... They do quite a lot of themed, sort of skirmish, sort of battle sim-type days. Uh, So, eight-hour games, continuous, or a skirmish day as such. Um... And this was the second year I went. Now, last year, we ended up causing absolute carnage for the entire day, to the point where we were banned from the main town for about half an hour. Oof. Because we just caused absolute chaos. Um, And this year, they were doing a safety brief, and there were some things in the rules, and I was like, yeah, they've added that since last year because of us. Yeah, that's been added because of us last year because we ended up causing too much trouble. Um... But, I mean, it was fine. They were cool with it. They were just like, yeah, we'll just take that out so as it doesn't sort of affect other people. Cause yeah. So some of the, the other team got a little bit salty with the fact that we got extra money, for example, because one of the guys gave the banker a lap dance. <laughs> I, I see no problem here. I don't. I don't understand what that. Uh, why that financial transaction wasn't kosher. No, exactly. You know, he, he used his initiative to get us some decent amount of cash, and we ended up winning the day. And, uh, and, and that's what I love about uh, about games like that is the emergent yeah. gameplay opportunity and the amount of freedom that players have. Yeah. The th- the thing I liked about it the most though is the fact that there's three or four different things going on. So if you want to go into the town. You can go into the town, just sort of take your mags out, your rifles or whatever, or leave your rifles back at your, effectively, your spawn zone. Um, and then you can just wander around. You can take all all your guns out, and then you can go out to... They've got, like, a LARP fighting pit. Yeah. Last, last year, they made it so you could... Um, bet on the fights on who was going to win but I think we got found out that we were rigging the fights um, so we were sending one guy in betting against him and I go you don't have a lot of confidence in your friend do you and then he was deliberately throwing the fight so he could make a shit ton of money 
That's hilarious. And, uh, things like that. So um, this year they just did it. If you won the fight, you got money, uh, kind of thing. And oh. uh, it's really it's really good. And then they have sort of like subquests. So a bit like say like some of the games you've got at the moment, like let's say Ghost Recon, where you've got all those side missions going on at the moment. Because I'm addicted to fucking Breakpoint at the moment. Um, I'm, I'm glad and, someone likes the new Ghost Recon formula. <laughs> I, I can see why people don't because it's very divisiony. But I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm just having a laugh going around and fucking shit up. And I've played, I think, forty hours, and I've not really done much of the actual main missions. Oh, oh so you're Elder Scrollsing it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, Elder Scrolls is another good example. Just go out and do all the uh, sub quests. Yeah, f- that. fuck but, the main quest. I want to just yeah. go around and pick flowers. But then you'd go up and then so the main mission in the game is you've got to collect these three gases from different points and there's an electric box you plug it in and it's like the gases transferring over to build up your points and if you hand in the full container you get the special gas which is worth five times as much or something like that as damn everything else so it's a good main story to it and it gets people out in the field and you can have some great little firefights out there but then, if you want to go off and do these side quests, you just say, yeah, I'm going to go up and do this now with sort of seven, eight other people. And you go up and they'll just go, right, okay, so you've got to get to this point, fight them off, and then let the mortar off, for example, or something like that. Yeah. And So, um, so there's always, like, different uh, different missions and different things yeah. to do. And then we got, we got one little side quest from um, one of the townspeople where she said, I'll give you X amount of money if you can take out all of the security guards in the town at the time. So we go in, it looked dodgy as fuck. We're all going in with pistols hidden away. And then we had like a secret signal and then one guy shot and we all had our pistols unholstered without people looking and we're all looking around all shifty. And then at this signal, just the entire police force was wiped out to the extent that actual out of, out in the game field, the sort of, police force the guys out in the game field had to come back to take us out <laughs> he wiped out the entire town's worth and yeah it just it just looked bait as fuck but it was hilarious just it, watching the faces when they all start getting shot they're going oh not again we had this last year <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's the interesting thing though because what you're what you're describing is like a lot of it sounds like a lot of it was like a little uh, a little more scripted like some things that were kind of like brought in by the characters and the the npcs and the staff where so much of what goes on at omega like there there is a lot of that stuff too yeah so much of what goes on there is entirely improvised uh based on whatever's happening uh, so what we what we've done, for example, is uh, we we kind of have a cast of like NPCs basically, and yeah. all of them can basically just come up with whatever they want uh, at the moment. And we've done some crazy shit. Uh, I think I think still my favorite was uh, was a time when we gave some players because my my character got I, I was playing as a, a traitor, and at that point uh, this was when I was recovering from my ankle injury actually. And I yeah. was also recovering from a surgery that I had had. So I wrote myself a crippled traitor character so that I wouldn't have to move because I literally couldn't. Uh, so <laughs> so we uh, we ended up having it uh, on the, the last day. I played it that my character got addicted to drugs to dull the pain. And <laughs> one, of the, one of the other NPCs had a, uh, a syringe full of, you know, some some abstract substance. Uh, it was implied to be, like, some sort of, like, morphine or something. And yeah. he gives he ends up giving it to a player to, like, try to steal something from my shop. And, you know, it, there's any number of ways that this could have played out. He could have tried to trade it to me, and I probably would have used it. Uh, he could have, you know, tried to slip it to me. What he ended up doing was, like, sneaking up behind me because my stand had, like, a back door and injected me with it. And I immediately like know what it is, and I just fall out of my chair onto the ground and start snoring. <laughs> so so I, I think I was, I think I ended up timing myself to stay out for like six minutes, and everyone's like coming up to the trading post, so like, is he still, is he still fucking asleep? <laughs> and, and then I. And then I put out a bounty not on the person who snuck up on me and injected me with that. I put out a bounty to get more of what he injected me with. 
<laughs> oh, that is amazing. I need to get out there for this because this sounds amazing. <laughs> it, it, it's it's very much like uh, I, I think our our secret sauce, so to speak, is just the fact that so many of us are like so into it that yeah. we're just always thinking of like these weird interactions. Because for us, that's that's what we're really in it for is the, the yeah. interaction. And uh, you know, on like you've got the Omega, the post apocalyptic thing. But what's interesting uh, to me, uh, kind of slightly switching gears, but very much in the same vein is that on top of post-apocalyptic roleplay, there are Milsim event promoters now getting into the roleplay game. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. That's fine. Uh, I, th- I think that's a good way to go, though, because at the end of the day, you know, it makes you feel like you're actually out in this area. Now, I know it's not going to be for everyone, because Milsim in the US and Milsim in the UK can be viewed in very different ways. Um and from the sounds of it as well, there's a lot more going on. You know, I hear of the Milsim events where you'll end up sort of stopping at the end of the day. You go out, have a bit of a social barbecue, um, and then you're back out the following morning as such. Um, and there might be, so I think, I can't remember which company it is, but there's the one that does the Tier 1 operations. Oh, that's, uh, that's Third overnight. Coast. Yeah. Uh, Third um, Coast and I think AMS both do missions like that. Yeah, so you got the sort of the night game side of it as well, but I, I, I like the whole immersion into it. It makes you feel like you're out there. We've had one before where um, it wasn't a milsim per se; they call it a milsim, but it's more a two days of what we'd call a battle sim. So eight hours chill out, and then eight hours again. Um, and we had one guy as an NPC come out and he pretended that he was the aircraft mechanic and he was walking around with a big foam wrench in his hands saying that he needed to get the runway working again so he could get all his aircraft out and stuff and he was literally in the middle of a firefight BB's flying past him waving (laughs) his thing around (laughs) he was loving it that that actually reminds me of uh, so yesterday this is like not really a milsim game but this is like kind of a milsim light type thing some friends of mine were running friends I know from Omega actually funny enough and um, what they did was they had it where to start the US forces had rules of engagement and the uh, the the, let's call them the op four forces as well yeah also had some light rules of engagement in a certain area because, like, you know, the the village elders... Um, it, it's inspired very much by the real story of Lone Survivor, how yeah. the Pashtun village was not very friendly to the more militant elements in the area, so they really didn't want any violence in their village. And, yeah. uh, and based on that, we had some rules of engagement too, but we were able to really game that uh, in ways that are pretty realistic by just trying to mess with the US forces and make them very tempted to break their ROE. Yeah. And it's it, it's really fun uh doing stuff like that in within what would otherwise be a normal airsoft game because it, I think it keeps you on your toes more. I think there's a lot more to keep in mind once you start introducing those elements that actually makes the players a lot more engaged. Uh, and it's not for everybody, you know, not every single person is going to be super into that, but I find that the people who think they're not going to be into that, once they try it out, are more into it than they realize they would be. And I think once you introduce those different levels of player freedom, those different options, you start seeing how just how interesting Airsoft can really be as a game format. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, every, everyone will go off into their own little sort of niche of what they do. So over in the UK, you've got the guys that will only play Milsims because they don't like going to skirmish sites. Uh, they don't like sort of your normal game day, which is fair enough. That's for them. Uh, it's not for everyone. Like me personally, I don't, I never really got into the Milsim side of things. I, I go to them every now and again, or Battle Sims I go to, generally speaking. I haven't done a full Milsim yet, uh, just because there's a sort of stigma with a lot of the organisers over here of you have to be of a certain kind of person, otherwise you're not going to this event because you're not going to make it for everyone. Whereas over in the US, I've noticed that what I've seen, people are generally more accepting of everything so you can go to any kind of event and just muck in get on with it 
do what you want and do don't do what you don't want to do kind of thing. Well, I I don't I have don't have enough experience with the UK airsoft community yeah. to really speak for sure on that. But what I have observed is. Uh, as long as you go in with like a good attitude and open mind and uh, just follow the rules, like that—that's the number one thing. Obviously, yeah. every event promoter is going to have their rules or things they allow and don't allow. But there is also a bit of a, a culture that you're expected to uphold, uh, and it's especially prominent now. I, I will say, I, I don't want to call it. There is like some light elitism at some Milsim event promoters, especially the ones that very much encourage you to have more realistic kits that really do want to encourage more impression type units. Yeah. But generally speaking, as long as you, even if you don't have an impression kit, let's say, as long as you are within the spirit of the game and you aren't like bringing a fish gun to be on the Russian militia, you're probably going to be able to find somewhere that you fit your niche. And if you are willing to play the game to its fullest and have a good attitude and be friendly and get along with people, you're pretty much going to be fine. Like it's more intimidating on the internet uh, for some people than it really is in person, which uh, is great if you don't go on the internet because then you don't see any of it. (laughs) Yeah. And then you can't find out about events. <laughs> yeah, true. So, fuck. Uh, double-edged sword there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely need to come out and try some out there. So, let's talk about some of the other events that you've done as well. We've talked about Omega quite a bit. Yeah, already, I, so, and, um, and I'll talk about them forever. That could be its own episode. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think we'll have to arrange that and speak to the guys, see if they'll come on and talk about I, I can well. personally guarantee you that Yuck and or Alex would be very willing to do this. So uh, I, I could definitely... I'll bribe them with beer. It'll be real easy. <laughs> beer. Uh, yeah, uh, there's a funny story about that, actually, uh, with bribing people with beer. So uh, it used to be... I used to help out with the Air Cadet organisation over here and it used to be the standard thing would be you give a tin of biscuits to people that helped you out so they get divided around a unit, whatever. Um, sorry, cookies to you, but we call them biscuits. I, I, I knew uh, what you meant. <laughs> I'm just explaining for all the other Americans who might be like, hey, what? What's he talking about? <laughs> um, yeah, so it used to be sort of the done thing. If a unit helped you out, you go give them a tin of these for helping you and then they'd get shared around everyone there someone made the fatal mistake of um giving someone some beer once when they got accommodation out of a unit that was out in theater on operations at the time so they kindly let us use their accommodation um someone got a message a few weeks later when they returned from theater saying next time please make sure you use the standard payment of biscuits because the beer got drunk by this one individual (laughs) (laughs) Um, and no one saw any of it but I mean it's just a, a little bit of a light hard banter that went on um, but yeah let, let's talk about some of the other events well I mean the other event that I never shut up about is uh, is Milsim West uh, which is what I think is personally the the god I'm, I'm going to sound like such a fucking shill but that's okay uh, I, I yeah. do think that in a lot of ways Milsim West represents some of the more interesting evolutions of Milsim uh, because on, on top of the fact that they are the full immersion Milsim event provider in the United States right now, they also, like I was kind of alluding to earlier, are then breaking into that role play aspect with their insurgency format that, yeah. like I was saying, I think introduces way more tools to the toolbox. And th- those guys, like my, my retirement plan for Airsoft, so to speak, like I'm, I'm never gonna quit. Like that's that's not fucking realistic. I, I know that yeah. I'm in until my body gives out, which will probably be about next year. But uh, that's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but my my retirement plan, so to speak, would be to just go to Milson West and Omega Games. But uh, that so then Milson West uh, for anyone who somehow isn't familiar because they're they're pretty well known. They're pretty prominent. Um, yeah. But they're same loosely same type of thing. Uh, that I just described with Omega, where you're in from Friday until Sunday. So Friday night, the game starts. Sunday morning to afternoon, the game ends. And there you go. That's. But there's no safe areas or anything. Like, once you are in the game, your camp can be raided at any time. Your yeah. PB, as they call it, the patrol base. Uh, there are no... 
like safe respawn zones. There's no breaks. It's just you go. Like you are in a battle trying to take territory from the other team. There's uh there's the Russian faction and then there's a NATO faction which is like America, UK and their allies. Uh and what you get with uh with Milson West I think is really interesting uh is the impression groups that really take ownership of wanting to have this be a realistic looking battle and you've got people who do Polish Grom, you've got people who do uh British SAS kits, you've got yeah. people who do Army Ranger kits, you've got people who do Marine Grunt kits. I know some of my buddies are trying to get a 10th uh, US 10th Mountain Division kit going. Uh yeah. and then on the Russian faction, you've got people who will do FSB Alpha, people who will do SSO, people who will do the uh, polite people. They call them the green beans. Uh, so you've got all these different groups that are really trying to reenact uh, this fictional battle between Russia and the U.S. Uh, you know, typical Cold War gone hot, right? It's uh, yeah. very, very much an 80s fantasy. <laughs> so, or <laughs> yeah. shit, might not be, but that that's a whole different topic. Uh, yeah, let, let, let's not talk about. Yeah, politics, let's not let's, let's not let's not get depressing with talking about what's going on in the world stage. Uh, yeah, when, when when you look at this, this is the thing. People thought it was bad in America. Just look what we've got at the moment in charge of our country. Yeah, just saying. Let's just Oof. throw that out there. Bomb <laughs> Boris. <laughs> How, how could we have a guy with a Russian name in charge of the UK? That doesn't work. Well, uh, you know what? Pretty soon you guys will have your state-issued vodka, so it's not all bad. (laughs) 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 I'm just getting visions of, like, the ration books from the Second World War, and you have to take it to get your vodka. Well, you know, a funny history about the Russians in World War II, they had trouble getting enough... uh, A little bit. They had trouble getting enough of the... uh, of the ammunition and the weapons for their soldiers, but everyone got their vodka rations. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I've just got visions. That, that's a whole different story for Stalingrad, isn't it? When you've played the games and the computer yeah, games. Yeah, you don't realize everyone's fucking hammered. Yeah, you, you've got the first guy gets the rifle, the second guy gets the ammo, everyone gets their vodka. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's how war should still be fought, but, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert. Uh, well, it's, it'd solve a lot of the problems, let's be honest, because everyone would be just too fucked to actually go and fight, so it'd end pretty quickly. Well, everyone but the Russians, apparently. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, anyway, um, but, so within this, uh, this fictional series of events, uh, you've got all the different people reenacting all the different units, and then you also have, like, the... I mean, there's really nothing that casual about Milsom West. Uh, the other thing that you've got is people, what they call Normie NATO and then the Cossack Militia, which are kind of the, you don't have an impression, but here's like the looser uniform set that is the bare minimum we want you to follow. And my buddies and I kind of switch back and forth between NATO and Militia. Um yeah. Because, you know, none of us have, like, really good impression kits right now. I, I, I kind of have an FSB Alpha kit, but none of my other buddies do. Yeah. Um, so what we kind of do is we do NATO and Militia. And Militia is basically like, all right, wear Russian camo or, like, surplus woodland camo. Look generally like you're some guy who picked up a gun to fight for Mother Russia. Like, yeah. the, like the militias you see in the Ukraine and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, now, a lot of those guys are actually wearing some pretty fucking interesting gear, and I, I do want to get, like, a proper Ukraine militia impression going at some point. But then uh, then NATO is like, all right, well, wear multicam, use an M4, you know, have tan or whatever gear, basically, and yeah. look look like some guy who looks NATO through night vision. Um, and, and what I think is interesting about Milson West beyond even that and beyond the full immersion thing is some more of those tools in the toolbox that you get to really take advantage of that don't make as much sense as some other games. Like, I uh, I bought Night Vision for Milson West. Yeah. Like, there's no other event promoter that has as much night fighting consistently as Milson West because yeah. the game doesn't stop. So, naturally, when the game doesn't stop, you got some people who literally... We'll take it easy during the day, lay <coughs> lay low during the day, and then they will 
really put all of their effort into going out at night and executing surprise attacks, which yeah. then has led to this atmosphere of paranoia where no one fucking sleeps and there are no more surprise attacks because now everyone's just going to open up a firefight. But, hey, that's uh, that's the milsim, right? you got to have Firewatch. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then Blank Fire is another thing that's allowed, which is... Uh, <sighs> you don't realize how interesting Blank Fire makes a milsim event until you have had Blank Fire at your milsim event. Yeah, this, this is the thing, obviously, because... You have much looser gun laws than we do, to say the least. Yeah, it's it's definitely a little... Um, I mean, I live in New York State, so it's it's a little fewer degrees of separation than you would think there, but the rest of the country... Yeah, uh, yeah obviously there are the certain areas that don't allow them, but generally speaking, across the US, yeah, you can act, actually get hold of these things a lot easier, and we can't, so it doesn't really happen. Yeah, it, you don't have too many people with binary trigger PKMs in the UK. Whereas yeah. in the US, if you live in a state where it's legal, that's totally yeah. kosher. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so what you have to do is you have to put a BFA or some type of like bore obstruction in, number one, so that no bullets can yeah. leave the barrel and obviously make sure no one actually dies. But then number two, because that actually is how you have to make the gun cycle. Otherwise, not enough back pressure will be generated to actually cycle the bolt of a yeah. semi-automatic weapon. Yeah, that's that's the trouble as well, because people don't realise that it's not as simple as just sticking blanks in and off you go, you know. Like, these things can't fire unless they've got the right amount of pressure, and they can't, because there's nothing in front of it as such to push those gases out, is there? No, yeah, it, it's, it'll just all go out the barrel and not cycle the action. So it, it's interesting watching people, uh, some people cheap out on blanks, and they'll think, oh, well, you know, I run cheap ammo through this thing all the time, it'll be fine. And then they'll be like, yeah, I got a BFA, I got my blanks, this will work great. Then they don't realize that the cheap blanks are lower pressure, and the second you rip, like, 10 blanks through they're also dirty as fuck because they're super yeah. cheap and also they're blanks so they rip 10 rounds out and now they've got a bolt action because the thing won't cycle <laughs> <laughs> sounds about right yeah uh, i i know one guy who brought uh his ar-15 to a milsom west game uh he had his bfa and everything and the cadre th this is actually a point of paranoia for a lot of people when i bring up blank fire uh because obviously I don't want to get like too deep into this to avoid getting depressing, but people yeah. are concerned that you are allowing real firearms to be brought out onto an airsoft field. And yeah. obviously people are concerned with, okay, well, what's to stop somebody from putting real ammunition in this thing? Or, you know, what if someone accidentally, even, you know, taking malicious intent out of it, what if somebody accidentally gets a live round mixed into their blank ammo supply. Yeah. So what is the procedure for Milson West is all the cadre are current or former military and like people who actually have done significant levels of training. And yeah. what they do is they have everyone who brings a blank fire weapon, number one, has to be pre-approved by cadre. Like yeah. they have to say okay, you can bring this thing to the field to have it inspected before you can even bring it. Like, you, you can't yeah. just show up with it. Uh, then they inspect all of your ammunition. Uh, they have to. It has to be definitely blank ammunition. It has to all be visible. Can't be loaded into magazines or anything. And they inspect your weapon. They ensure that you know how to operate your weapon, how to clean your weapon, how to field strip your weapon, and like show a level of competence with your weapon to make sure, hey, you're not gonna fuck this thing up, and then you know take your BFA off because you think that'll make it work. Uh, yeah. And then a BFA, a bore obstructing uh, blank fire adapter, is required. For all blank weapons, even blank weapons that don't need them to cycle. Like, uh, one of my buddies has a Mosin Nagant that he brings for blank yeah. fire. And a Mosin Nagant is a bolt action, right? Uh, yep. You know, when it can be bothered. Sometimes it's a hammer action. You gotta fucking really pound that garbage yeah. around to make it work. <laughs> yeah. Um, and when... But even that needs, like... It looks like a shovel when you put this BFA that they... The finish made for it at some point... Uh, you put you put that on there. 
But then they inspect all this, make sure that's all kosher, make sure you understand the rules of, hey, you know, you can't use this within 20 feet of anyone else. There's a 180-degree fan where no one can be standing when you let this thing off, yada, yada, yada. Uh, so that's all the... That's all the safety stuff, the boring yeah. safety stuff. And once you get out into the field, it's really just used like you can't force anyone to call hits with this, right? Yeah. So it's really just used to add to this level of immersion for the game. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing that starts an attack quite like, wake up, NATO! Blah, blah, blah! And then all <laughs> hell just fucking breaks loose. <laughs> I'll bet, yeah. But that, that's the thing, you know, you're adding that extra level to make it feel like you're really out in the field going through this as such. Yeah, and, and that's what that's what I think makes Milsom West games really special is the level of commitment of the players who show up to yeah. that fantasy. Because that's what it is. I mean, it, it's... It's a LARP. It's a fantasy. The level of commitment to that fantasy that people bring of we are in this fictional war with these parties who are real parties that we're going to try to represent well, and we want this crazy fucking thing to work and just be yeah. ridiculous. And it's it's awesome. That It's really what I think makes it special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds it. And, um, I mean, when you talk about Milton West, they are one of the companies that people in the UK have really heard of, you know. Over here, people are always talking about either Third Coast or American Milsim or Milsim West, but it's been nice to sort of speak about other companies such as Omega because I'm really interested in coming out to one of their games. Yeah, I, I think the Omega is uh, is really interesting. And then, obviously, the insurgency format that Milsim West does brings yeah. some of those elements in, which is their role-play type of event. And that role play, like I said, is all those different options. Now, obviously, you've got all that type of stuff. But what I'm seeing more of, and this is like a total gear change uh, in a lot of ways. But what I'm seeing more of now uh, that I'm like kind of trying to be part of, too, that I'm really enjoying, people are going to these national games, right? Like some of these national games yeah. draw five, six hundred people. Yeah. But now what I'm seeing in the U.S. that I, I'm, I'm curious to hear your input if this is going on in the U.K. at all. People will go to these national games, have this type of experience, but they'll realize, hey, not everyone is willing or able or financially you know, within means to attend these types of events and get this type of experience. And what they'll do is they'll bring some of that type of stuff, like little nuggets of it that they can fit within uh, within what their local community can facilitate, obviously. And they'll bring that back, and they will try to run games with those or similar elements in their local communities for lower prices, closer, easier logistics, you know, shorter games so that people don't, uh, you know, don't have to commit a whole weekend and get time off work necessarily. Yeah, and I mean, that that's been something I've witnessed a few, uh, several times over the last years, and it's something I've yeah. tried to do with games I've run. Even is has that been something you've observed in the UK? I mean, I think this is where sort of the battle sim element does come into it over in the UK because you do get these events where it's only an eight-hour game, but you'll have the milsim type rules in. So you've got limited ammo, you've got medic rules, and things like that. And I've noticed more and more you're starting to see skirmish sites do little events like that as well there was one i attended earlier in the year actually at south coast cqb great site uh, it's an old army camp like transit camp so yeah. it's all buildings you've got some nice big open areas you know the, du the double story buildings the snipers can get up in there and they love it because you can see right across the site and you if occasionally if you get a sniper from each team in the opposing buildings because they're right opposite each other as well it just ends up with them trying to get each other for ages, so there'll be this whole game going on. The snipers are going after each other, but it was a, it was an all day affair. They had a short break for lunch because it was all pre ordered, but they kept it as continuous as they could. So you'd have sort of the first hour to an hour and a half. You're at one spawn point. You've got these objectives to go for. You switch spawns, then you've got another objective, and they sort of tried to bring something a bit more than a skirmish into it so 
I don't know how to describe it really, but they're starting to bring elements into a normal game day. Yeah, um, and I, I think that's super cool. Uh, where because yeah. that that's the type of event I was at yesterday was yeah. some guys who have attended some national games who thought, okay, well, how can we offer that for you know thirty, forty bucks instead yeah. of one hundred twenty, hundred fifty, and get some of those elements to players for you know six to eight hours instead of forty hours. Yeah. I. I Battle sim is like one term for it that I've heard, but I, I still think that that maybe more applies to like larger, slightly more strict rule sets. I, I wonder what what like I I almost want to call it like a uh, a light sim or something like you know you got you got some yeah. of those elements in there, but really for the most part it's still very much a skirmish. Yeah, I mean you do. I... When I, when I use the term battle sim, I, I, I've got to be clear here for people who are listening are a bit confused. They are different to skirmish days. They're sort of that half and half between. Sort of, you want to do a bit more than a skirmish, so you go to a battle sim because you don't want to do a full mill sim, sort of a 24, 36, 48 hour mill sim event. So it's an eight hour event it's all day out in the field uh, I went to one by a company called Legion which was on a military training area in the UK um, and some people were moaning that there wasn't enough firefighting going on okay cool go go to a skirmish then you know they're, they're different things at the end of the day yeah um, and they, they were literally just saying oh I was bored all day well no you've got to think a bit more tactically you know I think in the entire day, I maybe used three mags because we were we were going to uh, observation points. We were the I think the only real big firefight I had throughout the day was when we had to take our forward operating base back. So we had our spawn and the fob, and it got overrun by the enemy force. They said, "We'll go fucking get it back then," because we lose points if we've lost that at the end of the day. And we literally just went on force around each side of this building. It was set in a, like a bunker. Some people climbed up the grass to get a viewpoint down and immediately got shot out. We went round while well, they were distracted and managed to get into this building and it was just chaos, just walking through. It was like something out of Call of Duty cutscenes where you're just walking through a building wiping anyone and everyone out. Yeah. So so actually, what's weird is that like what I'm talking about is even like a little more step below that. It's, it's like yeah. a weird in-between of skirmish and battlesome because like then you'll have... You know, a break. You'll definitely have a break for lunch at yeah. these types of things. It's, I, I, it's um, it basically is a skirmish, but then it'll be like uniform rules and uh, yeah, magazine. Yeah, I know, I know the type of events. Yeah, it's um, sort of a skirmish, but with extra steps to yeah, basically vague Rick and Morty quote. Yeah, <laughs> get get some get some of that dank Rick and Morty relevance, right? Uh, yeah, well, that's back soon as well, so we've got to get uh, that in fuck. now. You, you know what the next event from, uh, not the, excuse me, the next episode premieres is the night I get back from my next Milson West game. So there we go. That's <laughs> that's just my weekend. Uh, Sorted, yeah, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> I need to chill out after Airsoft, order a Chinese in and watch Rick and Morty. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I... I, I'm wondering then because I, I mean we're having all this discussion about like these more advanced events. Now, yeah. now I I have a question for you uh, based on the UK community. Um, what I've observed is that there the split of airsoft players who go to local fields skirmishes indoor all all that way more casual stuff versus players who go to those higher level, higher tier events, I would call them, like just in terms of complexity and demand more than anything. What yeah. what would you say the split is in the UK? I think I, I've my personal experience watching what's going on, it seems that the people that will go to the Milsims religiously is a very small sort of niche community compared to the wider airsoft community. Um and obviously, like they'll be like, yeah, they'll, they'll rip on skirmish sites, and that if people turn up and you can tell that it's their first milsim or whatever, I have seen occasions where some people go, they're not a milsimer, they're just if they're just a skirmisher who thinks they can do it, they were shit all weekend and that, and it seems sort of very 
almost elitist to that extent in some respects I, I hasten to add I'm not trying to upset anyone here but it's just what I observe yeah is there does seem to be a definite divide between the Milsim players and the skirmish players and then you do get the people that will go across and some of them fit in very well don't get me wrong some of them fit in really well in those communities but some of them just don't and it may even be down to their play style, you know. They turn up at a Milsim event and they're playing how they would at a skirmish, for example. And it'll be like, oh, well, this guy wasn't going with whatever. And, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've noticed, like, the same type of number split. Like, the, I always put it as, like, if you see 100 people at your yeah. average skirmish site in the U.S., maybe five have gone to, an like, a more advanced type of Milsim yeah. game. Yeah, definitely. Um, but what uh, what I've what I've observed is uh, you definitely get like I, I know a lot of people like to like to perpetuate this this all or nothing stereotype of either like oh well everyone in our country with Milsim players is like super friendly I don't know what your problem is or oh everyone's a dick you know uh, yeah whereas what I've observed is it's very much and this is purely based on my biased experience too because I do very much you know roll in that more milsim type world with a lot of games it's very it's a very half and half split like there are yeah. half milsim players who will absolutely like look down on skirmish sites look down on open plays look down on skirmish players but then there's like another half that I like to think is growing uh, I hope so uh, that's been what I've felt is happening. I hope that that continues to happen. The other half is like, okay, well, I go to these other events. I don't necessarily like skirmishes all the time. Maybe they'll go yeah. to a few skirmishes like with their buddies just to fuck around. Um, but what they don't do, and the key difference that I very much like, is they don't shit on people. Yeah, uh, that, that's all I care about. Like, I'll give a shit what you what you play. Like. You know, yeah. skirmish, milsim, speed soft. Even I know it's a, a dirty word for some people. I, I don't give a shit what you play. I just care that you don't shit on people for not playing yeah. toy guns the same way you play toy guns. Well, this is a very much the thing in the UK as well. You get the people. You've mentioned speed soft, so you've got to be going now. Um, they're a part of the airsoft community, whether you like it or not. That uh, speed soft is here, and people are liking it, and they're. In fact, I was chatting to Graham from Airsoft Nation about it, and he had one of the UK speedsofters on his live streams a while back. Now the the old Airsoft Nation like weekly live stream that he did, and um, like he said, that was one of the biggest audiences he had. He had hundreds of people tuning in just because it was this speedsofter. And he said the community seemed very much closer together than a lot of the other airsoft community yeah they're well they've been largely driven I, I don't want to call it underground like that's not the right word yeah but they've been largely driven together by the fact that a lot of people want to shit on them uh yeah. and you can't really uh, you can't really blame them for that it's uh i i hate to make this comparison because i know uh, i know for example amy is not a metal fan but uh, I, I do kind of compare the Speedsoft community to the metal community in that, like, a lot of people don't really accept them uh, at first or didn't yeah. accept them for a long time. And that drove them closer together with the other people who liked doing the thing that they liked doing. Um, so, you know, for as much, like, infighting and drama as there can be in Airsoft, you do have that common bond of like hey you know we like doing this speedsoft thing we like the speed qb tournaments uh you know the speed qb in the netherlands is that was this weekend right i believe so yeah yeah um so you've got that being you know driven closer together and i i, I do think speed qb I've, i haven't been to a speed qb event but that's another evolution a branching evolution of airsoft that i think yeah. is equally as valid as anything else that we're doing uh, I would argue that anything that gets anyone playing airsoft is an inherently good thing, as yeah. long as again, you know, it, it's up to the individual, right? You know, as long as they're not a dick, don't shit on people. Yeah, exactly. Um, this is another thing entirely, but we'll, we'll come on to the being a dick because um, there's a few examples I can think of of certain individuals in the UK being dicks, but that's a conversation for another day. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, to be, being a dick is uh, is never a good thing. Don't do it. That's uh, that's the e-house wisdom of the day. Don't be a dick. Cool. And I think that's uh, the perfect place because I usually end the episode with that anyway. So that's the perfect place. I think we're going to have to call it a night for this. Oh, shit. Wow. We've, we've been talking we've, for a yeah. long time. I know. Um, it's been great having you on, and I think we're going to have to do it again sometime because there's oh, hell so yeah. much more we can talk about. And oh, obviously, we, we got to get gun gamers as well. Oh, we we've got we could talk forever. You know, I I will listen to the sound of my voice for as long as people will tolerate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, where can people find you, buddy? Uh, so I am on Instagram as ehouse underscore gun gamers. Uh, I'm on YouTube with gun gamers. Or uh, you can find the Gun Gamers discussion group on Facebook, which is our Facebook group where we can talk about all things airsoft, uh, death metal when I'm feeling frisky, and uh, anything else that you want to talk about. So, yeah. Well, that sounds uh, like the group I need to get onto. I'll add that in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll shoot you an invite. Sweet. Cheers, buddy. Uh, Cheers. You guys know where to find me from the top of the episode. Thanks very much to Eric for coming on. I'm sure you guys will want to hear more of him because, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's it That's it for this week anyway, guys. Uh, we'll see you next time on the Chairsoft Show. Take care of each other. Enjoy your weekends. Uh, look out for each other. Don't be a dick. And we'll see you next time on the Chairsoft Show. Bye for now.